Before we start today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to congratulate Ricky Hayashi for becoming the Judge Program's newest program coordinator. Longtime listeners of JudgeCast and those who have gone through our archive know that Ricky was an original host of JudgeCast back in episode one. However, more than that, Ricky, to me, was exemplar of what a magic judge should be when I was coming up as a judge in Northern California, and he is still doing that today. So congratulations, Ricky. We look forward to seeing what you can accomplish in your new role. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 170. My name is Brian Prilliman. I am joined, as always, by Jess Dunks. Hey, this is Jess. And we have uh, an awesome episode for you guys today. So uh, about a week, week and a half ago, there was an announcement uh, that shook the foundations of the Magic Player community and the Judge community as well. And that announcement uh, was that in 2018... Uh, all GPs will be run by uh, a new organization called CFBE, Channel Fireball Events. And as we teased last week, we have uh, two very special guests this week. We have uh, John Sasso, the owner and president of Channel Fireball. How's it going, guys? And Mashi Scanlon, the director of community engagement. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, you know, John, I, I will say this, John's official title, Channel Fireball President and CEO, John Sasso. Uh, we, lo- we love to call him that here at CFB. So, <laughs> the, full, the full title every time you address him? The full title every time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thanks, Bashi. Yeah. So, uh, so anyone who knows me knows that that's uh, not important to me at all. So. Yeah, John, John, John hates titles, and that's my that's my way of trolling him on uh, any any kind of public forum. I like to just throw that out there because uh, he he's not one for titles. So that's my little troll of, of Sasso every chance I get. So, so this this announcement that that came out uh, a few weeks ago that that. Uh, CFBE is going to be handling all all of the GPS. That's in 2000, 2018. That's a that's a pretty big undertaking, right? Uh, Definitely. How 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 long or approximately? Can you tell us like how long that was 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 in the works? Like when Wizards came to you and with with the idea, or or like how did how did that go about? Like how did that um, uh, did they float the idea of of like a single source for GPS? Uh, you know, it was it. Um, there was an open bidding, uh, not open. It was a closed bidding process. But there were a number of tournament organizers and event companies that Wizards approached it during the, this last summer, uh, inviting bids of, of various types and scope for Grand Prix in 2018. Uh, and and um, it was kind of a blank canvas. You know, it, it, you need not have, have submitted a bid worldwide. Um, you could submit whatever bid you wanted to. Um, there, there were guidelines, certainly, for the information they wanted in the bid. Um, but that was the genesis of, of how we ended up uh, with this amazing opportunity to run all of the events in 2018. Is we, we put a lot of time into this, this bidding process and submitting our bid. Um, and that is uh, where, during that process, is when we reached out to uh, Jerry Rubin over at Sightlines. Um, and collaborated on this bid together, jointly putting it together and submitting it to uh, Wizards of the Coast. So when you when you first got the word, was it was it a a thing where you guys sat down and wondered, is this something that that we want to do, or was it, oh yeah, let's do it? This was so uh, you know the goal of being a tournament organizer worldwide for Grand Prix is something that's been a goal in this company with with John and I. For, I mean, God, when's the first time we started actually thinking about that? Probably 20, 2014, 2015 yeah. is around the time that uh, I definitely came to the realization that running these events uh, was something I love to do. And it's very rewarding as far as, like, you know, coming together with a team of people and putting on these events and making sure everyone had a good time. Uh, so, you know, it said we'd love to do more of these in different regions and, uh, you know, expanding to Europe definitely continued uh, we confirmed that you know that was the direction we want to go. So when the opportunity arose, we were very excited uh, to be on the list of companies that they're asking for a proposal from, and obviously we're very very excited to be in the position we are in now that uh, that we can we can run these events worldwide. So 
you you mentioned a few minutes ago that you were partnering with Sightlines. Now, through the website, a lot of people are familiar with with Channel Fireball, uh, but but maybe not necessarily Sightlines. Uh, can you tell us what the what your relationship is there, or what Sightlines is? Sure. So, I mean, wh whether you know it or not, particularly if you're a judge, but if you've been to a Grand Prix, you're familiar with Sightlines products, the pop-ups, the zip-ups, the graphics design for the event kit that we use, uh, that all of us use at Grand Prix. Those are designed and put together by Sightlines. Um, if you go to the Pro Tour, uh, pretty much every Pro Tour in recent memory, all of the graphics, the feel, the commentator booth, all of those items are put together by Sightlines. Uh, for anyone who was at PAX or got to see that coverage of PAX in the World Championship, the, that was put together by Sightline. So they're an event management company, and they do they do all kinds of stuff. I mean, they did a, they put together in downtown San Francisco because we had the Super Bowl here locally um, this last year, and they managed and put together the the festival. It's a huge festival in downtown San Francisco because the Super Bowl was in town, and so they put together and managed that. Um, which was a huge, huge affair. I mean, what was it, like 10 or 13 square miles in downtown San Francisco? Yeah, yeah. Um, so wow. There's a, there's a, Mill, millions of people coming through. Oh, yeah. There, there's a wealth of event management experience and specifically, you know, magic experience through the Pro Tour, through managing the graphics and assembling the look and feel of both Grand Prix and Pro Tour stops. Um, and, you know, Jerry and his team over at Sightlines have a, a really a long-running relationship with Wizards of the Coast. They've collaborated uh, on, on many, many projects together. Um, and frankly, one of the, one of the big things that drives, drives us internally at, at Channel Fireball at the warehouse, um, and certainly at our Grand Prix is our culture. And it took about five, maybe 10 minutes of talking to Jerry on the phone before we realized, Hey, this guy, uh, you know, he's a great cultural fit. We can work with him. We, we really, uh, can, you know, get on board with him and grow together. Uh, and that was really the most important thing because, we were really hesitant. You know, we didn't know Sightlines that well. Um, and so it's like, okay, are we, we're going to partner with these guys. We're going to make this massive pitch for this amazing opportunity. Can we do it without, you know, knowing this guy very well? Um, and, and through the process of really putting that bid together, really learned that the kind of cultural identity of Sightlines um, is, is very, very similar to how we view our own work. One of the big moments for me, I don't know if, if you were there for this, Sass, but uh, we were putting the sightlines helped. They collaborated with Wizards of the Coast at PAX, and of course we ran the uh, OP, not not the main not the main tournament, not the worlds, but all the side events at PAX. And we're there putting together everything, prize wall, all this stuff. And Jerry, who's who's the principal over at Sightlines, he's over there with his team putting stuff together too. Um, and that's one of the things I always key in on is you know I, I want to work with someone who's going to lead from the trenches, who's going to get in there, get his hands dirty, get her hands dirty. Uh, and work with everybody to get the job done. Uh, and that was one of the big moments for me with, with Jerry personally, seeing him there at night, you know, cutting other members of his team and staying there to make sure that everyone else got sleep so they could be fresh for tomorrow. Uh, and he uh, and the project manager, I think Laura Davis, closed it out while they were cutting everybody else so they could get out of there. Wow. That's yeah. really awesome. Definitely. He's, he's, I can't say enough great stuff about the Jared Bear. He's, uh, he's one of my favorites. <laughs> The Jer Jer Bear? Is that is that, <laughs> is that his, an official title for him as uh, well as sidelines? Uh, yeah, Mashi's official title. Yeah, I, I don't know if he knows that. Yeah, but that's, that's my title. We'll know now. So, <laughs> so um, that's really exciting. I, I've, I've been exposed to sidelines a little bit through the Pro Tour, um, and I'm really glad that they're the ones on board partnered with this to make that happen for all the reasons just described. I think it's a good thing. Um, but that being said, uh, the Pro Tours are only a few events a year, and you guys, as one GP organizer, have not done more than seven events in one year? Uh, la 11, yeah, 11 events a year. That's a lot. Last year we had seven. This year we have uh, 12. So Wow. Uh, That's a yeah, lot. But yeah, not, nothing like a full, a full schedule of Grand Prix. So I know that the schedule's not announced yet, uh, so it's probably not even set yet for sure, but... Um, do you think it's is it going to change? Is it going to go down? Are you still are you guys going to be managing forty something Grand Prix next year? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're not we're not going to decrease the number of events uh, for next year. I mean, we are we are putting the schedule together literally as we speak. Um, it is it is a work in progress, and it's quite a it's quite a task, but it, it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, we we're not looking to decrease the number of, of Grand Prix. Uh, we're I mean looking to increase them if anything, uh, 
and making sure that you know representation in, in the regions is uh, you know close to at least what what it's been historically. Uh, okay. But but yeah, I mean that that's where we're at right now. What about um, multiple events on the same weekend? Uh, I know you guys kind of have a leadership team that goes around from event to event. Um, are you planning on splitting that, or how does uh, how does that? Or are you not doing events on the same weekend? How is that going to work? Oh well, I mean we'll have to put events on the same weekend because you know with the blackout dates and with uh, you know holidays and everything, there are only know, a, a roughly forty weekends out of the year that we can we can run events, and if we're going to run you know fifty five ish or whatever, uh, you know we're going to have to double up on many weekends. So I think the the short answer is we need to expand our our management team because uh, we will not be able to go to all of them, and that is something that we are you know, starting the process for very soon. So, so no GP Christmas Eve then? Is, is... No, we'll try to we'll try to avoid that one. Yeah, definitely try to avoid that one. <laughs> um, you mentioned expanding your management team for some events, uh, particularly events outside of the U.S. where you uh, may or may not have, have done a lot of things. Are you guys planning to work with or subcontract other TOs? There, I understand that may not be something you can share, but is that something you've even looked at? Absolutely. We've already, uh, you know, John and I played in GP Australia, um, and part of that was to meet the, the judge community down there and, and to meet the TO, Chain Links, uh, over there. Uh, I wasn't able to make it to Shizuoka, but John made the trip out there and uh, got to meet some of the TOs and some other event management um, partners, potential partners. Um, we're not, I, it's not in the cards to directly subcontract to say, okay, hey, hey guys, you run this event and, and we're all good. I think part of the goal, um, certainly part of Wizard's goal and, and our own goal with taking on this project is to create a lot more consistency in the experience for, for players and for staff uh, and overall in the Grand Prix. Uh, and I, I, I think that in order to really achieve that and preserve that, we need to have a leadership team on site in some capacity at all of the events. Now, obviously, it's not going to be the same leadership team at every event. That's impossible. But um, we, we're already, we definitely are already in the process of reaching out to um, TOs, past and present, and uh, event some event management companies that maybe haven't done Grand Prix but are familiar with, with running events in the area uh, in order to collaborate with them and work together to put the Grand Prix in, uh, put the Grand Prix on on in certain areas, like, you know, APAC, um, Japan, those are two I mentioned, South America, other areas like that where we're really uh, breaking new ground for us. Um, so you mentioned it's going to be kind of a, a consistent experience throughout events, and I think that's a very good thing. But uh, many people have observed on the Internet that GP prices over the last couple of years have gone up. And my question is, if it's a consistent experience that's all controlled by Channel Fireball, does that mean that that's just going to continue to be a theme and GPs will get more and more expensive? Or how, how do you guys, what, what's your plan for GP pricing in the future? So, I, you know, I guess this is one of the most, is this, this might be the most common uh, question message to us on, on social media. By far. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. We, we did, uh, we did send out, and I think it's posted on, on CFB right now, a, an amazing um, survey, Grand Prix survey. Uh, and one of the things that I think is super interesting about it is we thought we'd get a lot more comments about pricing be to, being a determinant for Grand Prix. And there's a million other things that the people who have uh, – we, we, I think we're north of 2,000 responses right now on the survey uh, take into account. Uh, so I, I was shocked at that. But back to pricing, I think um, our, our, you know, the article addresses pricing. Our, our, our statement on that is some prices are going to go up and some prices are going to go down. Um, as we, as we try to find our way. But I think the big concern about, okay, where are we going to be at? Is, is, is our, uh, with one tournament organizer, there, is this an opportunity to gouge and to do that? And I think that that view of, of how the company operates is myopic in the sense of we do at CFB. Um, now, CFB events, obviously, is a tournament organizer, but at, at Camel Fireball, we're a much larger part of the Magic community. We buy and sell cards. We have a game center where we have Magic players coming and going and playing all the time. So our role in the community isn't solely as a tournament organizer. Um, and, and what we've recognized through the growth of this company uh, as, as we've gone, as we've grown from like eight people in 2008 to, you know, 60 some odd here in, in, in 2017 is what's been best for the community has been best for the company. Um, being a good member of this community, of the magic community uh, as a vendor, as a TO, uh, as judges, because we have many judges on staff, um, has has 
always been the right business move. And, and trying to create a situation where we're gouging people for tournament entries is very short-sighted. It's extremely short money. It damages people's love for Grand Prix. It damages people's love for magic and the magic community. And it totally destroys the brand name of Channel Fireball. And none of these, <laughs> none of these are good business moves by, by the company. Not to mention, I just kind of on a moral, on, on a moral stand, I think it would be just terrible, terrible things to have happen. As a member of this community and as someone who loves playing Magic and loves going to GPs, I think it would be a travesty. But, you know, I think that there's a certain appeal uh, to the cold logic of dollars and cents. And frankly, taking that stance of raising, you know, drastically raising prices and creating this price barrier to enter Grand Prix would just would be a very, very bad business move for this company. So you mentioned a uh, survey that you guys have uh, on the website, and I'm going to make sure that we link to that in our show notes, but I have a question about it. You said you've already gotten over 2,000 responses. What would you say is the most common theme from that? You said you, you had a, a lot of different things. Um, what, what what kind of thing would be surprising, uh, just out of curiosity? So, I mean, we, we have like an open answer question at the end, you know, like if you could change anything about the Grand Prix, what would it be? Uh, so, I mean, there have, been, there have been a lot of creative ideas there, uh, some that are not you know, possible and some that are, you know, are things we'll definitely take into consideration. I think more what he was, uh, Mashu was referring to is there, there was like a question about, uh, you know, these five things, what do you take into consideration when choosing to go to a Grand Prix? And, you know, while I would say nine out of 10 questions that we receive through social media are about the main event entry price, you know, a very relatively small number of people, you know, list the entry fee as being something that they're, uh, they're concerned about. Uh, when deciding on whether or not to go to a Grand Prix. And, you know, that's that's something that we, you know, running Grand Prix and, you know, obviously the business model of Grand Prix has changed a lot over the years and, and, you know, things have gotten more expensive and prices have gone up and, you know, we're aware of that. But we, we also hear, we hear the feedback from the players and, and, and everybody and we want to make sure that we're always delivering a, a really solid value. And, you know, while we'll hear some concern about it up front, we rarely hear people at the end of the weekend or during the weekend saying that they didn't feel like, you know, it was, it was worth what they paid to, you know, play in the main event or, you know, they didn't have a good time. And, and, you know, we, we definitely encourage people to give us feedback about how they felt about the event and, uh, you know, what things we can do better to make, make sure they're, they're having a good time, you know, every time they come to one of our events. But, but circling back just to the original question, I think I haven't checked, I haven't checked in a while, but the number one answer for a while was location. You know, okay. is, the, is the GP is the GP close to me? Uh, frankly, was the the most popular determinant of whether you're going to go to the Grand Prix or not. Now, the question isn't, are you going to play in the main event? So maybe maybe that's a different answer. But are you going to go to the Grand Prix? Are you going to go hang out, check out the vendors, maybe see the artists, play in some side events? Sure. If the Grand Prix is in your neighborhood, you're probably going to go check it out because you're a Magic player and you love Magic. So that that was the front runner. Yeah. Location. Awesome. That, and that really makes a lot of sense if you think about it. Um, people don't go to events that are very far from them. They go to events that are close. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. We've talked about Grand Prix in general, um, and I'd like to talk about it as it relates to judges. Um, and I think the most, the similar to the price question, the most common question we get is about, uh, that, we, that I've heard anyway from the judge community is about compensation. Uh, traditionally, judge compensation has at Grand Prix has been by level, but a number of Grand Prix have to compensation by role. Um, so is that what you guys want to do moving forward? And is judge compensation going to go down with you guys controlling all of them? How, what, do you, what do you guys see in the future? Or, or up. It could, it could go up, too. Oh, yeah. Let's not yeah. point that out. I mean, we can go away. Right. Nothing set in stone. Uh, so um, I, 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 am, I am actually a fan of, of the, the role-based compensation. Um, I, I think that that's it's 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 given uh, I think judges an opportunity um, and, and, and hey cards on the table I'm a level zero so I got a dog in the hunt here I'm I'm I am not a, I am not a judge so um, no I, I think it's given different different judges opportunities to specialize in areas that aren't necessarily level dependent um, we we have, we have different team members who for instance handle accounts or registration. Um, or the prize wall, or VIP, all areas that don't necessarily uh, correlate to what level of judge you are. Uh, and and I, I see, and, and part of it is the lens through which I, I view these changes within the program, but I, I, I sense similar things when I see things like um, 
you know, level three, but you're a head judge certified or you're, you know, an L2 team lead, you know, team lead certified or an L2 tester. Uh, I think that what that message to me when I started to see those changes was, okay, we're going, we're going, we're, instead of trying to capture all of these skills that, that every judge brings to the table, because there's so many judges um, with, with such varying levels of skill in different areas, um, instead of trying to encapsulate that in just blindly in level, level one, level two, level three, and of course, previous level four and level five, we're going to come through and say, okay, uh, here's your level, you're in L2, but hey, you've done plenty of team meeting, you've shown your ability to do it, so we're going to make, make it known to the world that you're able to carry that responsibility. Um, and and I, I, I think that's a really good move for the program. I, I, I think it's great. Um, and, and I love, I love that message because it's, it's very, you know, being a judge and I don't need to tell you guys this, I'm sure you, you know it far better than I do, what it means to be an L3, what it means to be an L2 or an L1, the scales of, of skill sets and, and competency, rules knowledge, policy knowledge, it's so, it's the variance within each level is huge. And then when you, and then that's just, we can just take North America and that's the case. And then when you expand that to the world, to Europe, to Japan, to South America, the variance becomes even crazier. So I, I love the idea of putting people uh, in different roles, having them develop in that role and be able to earn um, whatever compensation we think that role is worth rather than just saying, okay, well, you know, hey, you're, you're really killing it at doing this, but you're only in L1, so you're, you're going to get X compensation, even though you're doing you know, work that really is valued at X times three or, or whatever have you. Um, so that's just how I value it. Of course, the main event where I spend a lot of my time at Grand Prix um, does have a lot of level dependency uh, and a lot of um, a lot of uh, the experience which is encapsulated, you know, particularly with level three and your checklist um, and the experience you need to go through in a panel, which I do think is invaluable, um, is, is captured in that. And I think that's super. Um, when it comes to compensation, you know, it, one of the big challenges we face, obviously, you know, compensation has been steadily changing well before the 2018 announcement. And again, I, I know that you and, and everybody listening to this is probably keenly aware of the changes that have occurred in compensation over the last three years. Um, and our wrinkle now is there's been a variance consistently worldwide. You know, judges in different regions have been compensated differently, obviously, um, based on what's possible in that region. Uh, both legally and, and kind of culturally what's acceptable as compensation. Uh, I don't, there's no plan to like drive prices down um, in terms of comp for judges at all. Um, we, you know, I know that we get a lot of credit and, and, and rightfully so for, for John, who has made this such a goal uh, of this events team to get these events for 2018. But the honest truth is we don't run these events if we don't have the team behind us to make them we don't have a chance to be on that list where Wizards of the Coast reaches out to Channel Fireball and says, hey, guys, we'd love for you to apply for this. If we don't have a solid team of judges and non-judges, we got some you know, non-judges on staff too, working these events and, and putting forth the effort to make these things go smoothly, um, to put out the fires um, before they become you know, massive, and, and to really help us manage the players, uh, the vendors, and everybody on site. So um, the conceiving of a world where we somehow drive compensation down uh, and the negative effect that would have on the program is, is literally uh, kind of similar to what I said about raising prices to entry. We're cutting our own throat. There's no illusions about just doing it all on our own. That's not possible. The second most common question that, that a lot of judges have been asking is, okay, well, Channel, uh, Channel Fireball has a, a, a core team of judges, and I put I put that in air quotes because I don't I don't know the the, the proper term for it uh, of judges that they like to use uh, for their events. So, does that is there an application to get on the court? Like, how does one become a member, or or even is there a core team? And and if so, how does one uh, become a member of it? Is there going to be like an application process, or is it going to be uh, some some other mechanism? So yeah, the, the the core team uh, was something that you know we kind of came up with, and it, it wasn't really didn't really have a title. I think initially it was just more like we're going to reach out to people that we've worked with in the past, and we want to like create a consistent experience worldwide, uh, and at that time being North America and Europe for the events that we're running. Uh, and when it's seven events or ten events or twelve, you know, uh, it it works. I mean, you know, we can we can have 
give like the the staff uh, the opportunity to kind of plan their year, knowing that they've already been accepted for those events, and then we we know that hey, you know, we have our deck checks lead, you know, handled for 2017 or whatever, right? Like we know that that person can handle that role, and and we don't have to worry about it uh, for the rest of the year. Um, when when you start to go to a point where we're running, you know, 50 plus events and uh, you know, worldwide, you know, I think that having a, a, a team of, of judges that uh, or staff that we're using at every event is obviously impossible. And even uh, at, you know, a, a majority of events or you know, half the events, it, it just a, it's a tremendous number of events. And we're going to need to work with so many more uh, judges throughout 2018 and beyond that. You know, I, I don't know that the core team as it exists today is going to be something that exists moving forward. Uh, will we you know, reach out to people that we want to work with a lot? Of course, you know, we're going to be hiring a lot of people, definitely. Uh, and, you know, will people have the opportunity to, to judge as many events as they want? Most likely. Uh, so we, you know, we, we will probably move away from what the core team is today, but we will certainly be giving opportunities for uh, the judges who've worked with to work as many events as, as they'd like to. Okay. So I think that, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I just, I, 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 one of the things that John kind of touched on, which I think is super important is um, the, the core team um, as we've had it, you know, this year and then some of the last year, it's just not scalable. It's just not, it's not scalable. It's when, when you have seven events, when you have 12 events, you want to put together an A team, you want to build that trust. You want to say, okay, these, this is the team that I know can get everything done. When you expand that canvas to every Grand Prix worldwide, you start to understand, I have real skin in the game in developing a team everywhere in the world, in, in giving opportunities out to develop other members uh, in, in communities. Um, you know, North America, we're really lucky, guys. We, we got a great, I mean, Europe has a great uh, judge team. North America has a great judge team. Um, but there are areas where they really need support. We need to go in there and we need to, you know, relying on, on you, judges like you two and, and, and other uh, judges out there to provide that mentorship um, to, to, to really provide the knowledge and the teaching that other underserved areas uh, of, of, the, of the world need to get better judges. And that has become one, I mean, seriously, one of the things we talk about uh, here uh, at CFB, how are we going to develop judges worldwide how are we going to keep people keep them motivated keep them uh, wanting to be part of the program and you know whether they level up or whether they learn certain roles within the gp how do we incentivize that how do we develop that how do we encourage that and how do we make that um i i am a, i'm a great believer uh there's a great book i think it's called drive by daniel pink uh and, and i'm i'm a great believer in aspirational goals as motivation um and and so kind of circling back to the certification process, one of the things I love about the head judge certification is it's aspirational and attainable. And as long as we have great goals within the judge program that people want to aspire to, be it, hey, one day I want to be an L3. Hey, one day I want to have the head judge cert. Hey, I'm happy being an L2, but I, I like the team lead. I want to cert for that. Having those aspirational goals and creating pathways for team members to achieve those goals is massively important to the program because Grand Prix, are so much work. They are tiring. You are so exhausted every day. And that's Friday. And you still got Saturday and Sunday coming. <laughs> and, you know, you got you to you gotta really be driven and love and enjoy what you're doing. Love that role you have in the community. Love that role you have in the program, the judge program, at the Magic event. Because, you know, just doing it, you know, for financial gain or whatever, it's not going to pull you through because you are tired. Uh, and, and, you know, even now we're, we're getting on a plane tomorrow from Mexico and we're already thinking about Copenhagen and I mean, come on, Vegas is right around the corner. Uh, and it, it's like, I already feel like we're behind on Vegas and that's in June. Uh, and, and, and I'm going to feel real tired at the end of this weekend and I got to get back into the office and work on Copenhagen to make sure that's ready to go. So the week, the team can turn their focus to, to, to Vegas. So if, if, if we're not creating opportunities as a tournament organizer, if we're not creating opportunities for members of our team, people working our events, be they judges, be they non-judges, to aspire to succeed at those events, to take on roles, to grow within the judge program or in certain roles at the Grand Prix, then A, we've failed, and B, we are going to fail on a larger level, you know, taking on a project of this size. So 
I really want to want to say just kind of make make this comment here based on what you guys have been saying. I really appreciate the long term view that you're taking to growing the events and growing the opportunities and growing the experience for the individuals, uh, because a lot of a lot of times, especially like I I come my day job is in a uh, corporate world where I see, you know, uh, people come in and they make very short sighted, short term decisions, maximize profits. And then they, you know, peace out and go somewhere else. And they're not around to see the, the, the long-term impacts of those short-term decisions. And I'm, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing what you guys are saying, and I'm really appreciating the, the growth oriented long-term uh view that you guys are taking on this hey it's uh hey there, there's a selfish element too i'm gonna be going to a <laughs> lot of events next year and if, if this continues i'd like to start going to less events uh, after that. so we need to find people who can take over uh and, and really yeah. support us and that's a that's a thing as well as uh personally i'm i'm one of the most active event judges in North America, and I don't want to do that many events. Like, <laughs> I I don't want to go to fifty Grand Prix next year, uh, and I don't I don't know anybody that does. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just uh, people trying to we all everyone to burn out in year one, right? We we definitely see this as a long term uh, plan. And, uh, yeah, we don't want Jess to try to do 50 events in 2018 and say he never wants to do one again, right? We make sure that uh, everyone <laughs> kind of like to see that burnout, like, like <laughs> that, last, that very last event. <laughs> the the table Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody but in reality, so, so, oh, so. God. <laughs> that would be miserable. 50 events. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in today's GP world where we have different organizers, there are judges who frequently work with one or the other. So you guys were saying you have judges that you've worked with and are familiar with. Well, the same is true for other organizers in the world today. And you may not be familiar with those judges as well um, as, as another organizer is. But um, conversely, there are some judges who feel like they can't get on staff for certain organizers' events. And they've been sort of blacklisted because they made the wrong person upset or something like that. Um, should people be concerned that with Channel Fireball running all of the events, that if they get on somebody's bad side, they're never going to work a Grand Prix again? No. Right. I'll give you the short answer, and that's no. Um, I'll give you – let me let me give you some inside baseball. Um, one <laughs> of the things that I think uh, is has been successful for me, 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 both personally and professionally, and for our events team, uh, our group of, of – of, kind of red shirts um, that, that we meet with on a regular basis that include like Jason LeMahieu, Chris Richter, Nico Glick, uh, Trevor Baker. And just to pause you really quickly, when you say red shirts, you mean Channel Fireball administrative staff, not not red shirts like GP head judges, right? Oh, yeah, no, no. I always call those burgundy. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's in red. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Our, our own our own, our own admin. Um, Thank you, because I, I was also <laughs> confused on that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And um, – one of the things that I think is super important this is one of the earliest lessons, uh, and I've known John for 20 years, that I learned professionally from John is you, you don't make business decisions emotionally. You don't you don't make decisions based on emotion uh, if you want to make the right decision. So just you know, first of all, it, it's very rare that I think anyone on the team gets pissed off. I, you know, getting getting angry is not part of our modus operandi. But it, you know, and anyone can get pissed off, and things can happen. Um, we make decisions as a team, and so, and, and trust me, that has that has caused a lot of debate. We have very, very healthy back and forth many, many times um, where we got two people at the table who are on polar opposites, and we got to pull the room and, and really hash it out. Um, and then nine times out of ten, I think when we've got two people taking firm stances, we end up finding a third that someone comes up with that ends up being the right answer. But um, there's no there's no blacklist. There's no there, there are no judges uh, or staff members who are just like, OK, yeah, you're, you're never going to work with us. That, that that is something that doesn't exist. I, I know it's come up a few times and it, it just I, I don't know what to say. I mean, it just it doesn't exist. Um, you know, um, I think the, the comment of, you know, you uh, get on someone's bad side and you'll never work an event again is not something that exists here. I mean, like Machu was saying. Uh, making emotional decisions in business isn't something that we want to do. And, and it's, you know, because 
this person made a joke you didn't like or, or whatever, you know, it, that's not going to be a decision that is going to, you know, if, if you're making fun of Mashi or something like that, we encourage that. <laughs> so it's not uh, something that's going to get you in trouble. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think that's not something that people need to worry about. Definitely not. Um, and uh, I think that I, I know it's something that people are hypersensitive of. And, and yeah, it's tough. I, I get it. If you built up a lot of kind of credibility and trust in a working relationship with a, a TO that's no longer running events, but basically any TO that's not Channel Fireball, it, it's a tough change because I, a lot of investment is made. Um, just like players, judges probably make a lot of decisions based on geographic location. And so if you're on the East Coast, you've worked a lot of events with East Coast TOs and much less events with, with us, with uh, CFB, because we're on the West Coast. Um, and I, I think that, sure, there's, there's probably a loss there because we're going to have to get to know each other. But we want, we need, you know, I, I was applying this worldwide, but let me stress this for, for, for North America, too. We need everybody. We need the whole team to get on the bus here, okay, because we, we're running all the events in North America. And, and so we, we need you know, judges to bring that expertise that they've developed in, in, with other TOs or in other areas to the table here at Channel Fireball. Make us a pitch. Let us, you know, talk to us, apply for an event. And then if you have a process or an idea or a way of doing things, let us know. We love feedback. We love hearing it. Um, we consider everything. Uh, you know, after, after every GP we have, I get probably, I would say, five to ten emails some of them are just, you know, maybe a, a paragraph or two, and some of them are three, four, five, six pages long of feedback of, um, you know, hey, we ran mini masters like this, or hey, we ran the LCTs like this. Here's what I think. Here's what went well. Here's what went bad. And we, a lot of those items are actionable. Uh, we, we publish them to the team, and then we take action. We make changes based on that. Um, and unfortunately, we came up with a great system for mini masters, and now now we're not doing mini masters anymore. It's like we, we figured it out, and then. then uh, we moved to this uh, this uh, mega, mega mega last chance trial instead. But um, just to circle back, there, there's no blacklist. No one's no one's off the list. Uh, and I, I, uh, I'd like to jump in and ask kind of the opposite question because um, you you said there's no blacklist. No one's off the list, etc. Um, there there isn't a list of judges that can't staff events. What would it take to to actually get to that point? Like if you have if you have issues with judges who are who are Every community has bad apples. If you have issues with judges who are, say, there, there may be theft or harassment or something like that, uh, I, I guess this is kind of a softball so Mashi can give his place of safety speech to as many judges as possible. But, uh, yeah, how, how do you guys handle that? Yes. I, I almost opened with that. I thought about it. For those of you who have uh, not worked at Channel Fireball event, Channel Fireball event is a place of safety. It's a place of safety for you, for the judges, for everybody who walks in the door. And all of us have an affirmative duty to maintain that place of safety. Uh, and there's much more than that, but I'll, I'll stop it there. Uh, but, but obviously, you know, that that's that's a, a uh, huge red flag. When we start talking about disrespecting people, you know, sexual harassment, physical violence, racial harassment, um, any, uh, you know, any of those stealing. You know, I, I think these are pretty bright line areas where common sense tells us, okay, uh, that's not someone we're going to work with again. And I, I, you know, I've actually dealt with a few of those issues at events. So this isn't just kind of, oh, Mashi's imagining the worst case scenario. Things happen. Okay, people make mistakes. I get that. Some mistakes are recoverable and some are not. So there, there are definitely these bright line areas where we're just we're not going to go there. You sexually harass someone. You're off the team. We're not going to. We're not going to mess with that. You start spouting racial epithets. You're off the team. Religious epithets. You're off the team. You know. But I think that these aren't just like, hey, these are the channel fireball rules. You know, these are the rules of kind of common courtesy and professional decency and personal decency, frankly. So, and I think, I mean, I, you guys agree. These are pretty bright line areas where I think we all accept well, that. Okay. So let's let's get into where I think there's there's a little bit of fuzziness. Okay. Um, mistakes. Hey, uh, hey, hey! I lost some of the sealed product. I don't know what happened. I, turn, I, I set it down. I turned around. It's gone. Um, oh man! I, I I had the price support for this event, uh, and the ticks are missing. Uh, oh gosh! I dropped the ball on this ruling. I got it wrong. Uh, I got the appeal wrong. Whatever it is, mistakes are okay. All right, mistakes are opportunities to learn. Uh, I think that you can't be afraid to make mistakes, and you can't be afraid when you've made a mistake to go to someone if it's your team lead. If it's a burgundy on the main event, 
if it's you know the ODE lead or the schedule event lead or the site event manager, go to them, go talk to them, own it. You know, I I I I, I things happen. We're human. Gosh knows I make tons of mistakes, but you got it. You've got to come forward and you got to communicate it and say, hey. This happened, and yeah, you know, I, I, I set the product down, and I turned around, and when I turned back, it was gone. I, I shouldn't have set it down, and that's on me. You know, that's one way to handle it, and that's a very constructive way. Okay, don't, please don't do that again, and let's have a conversation about it, about how we're going to prevent that next time. But call your shot, and, and I think that's super important to understand. You're not going to make a mistake. You're not going to you're not going to drop the ball on something. And okay, well, hey, that's it. That's your last channel fireball event. That is just absolutely not how we operate. On the other hand. Okay, please don't make a mistake and lie about it. Don't don't go into panic mode and try to hide it. Don't go in because we we're a team. We can fix it as a team. But when you try to hide mistakes, when you try to lie about mistakes, when you try to blame others, you know, hey, I I, uh, I set that product down, but you know, Sasso was really in charge of the product. I was just helping him out, so it's on him. You know, whatever it is, don't do that. That's not constructive. That's not solution oriented. You know, that's panic. That's I'm not a team player. You know, that's not going to get you. That's not going to get you kicked off the team either. That's going to get you a meeting with feedback, by the way. Excellent conversation on reviews with Rogan last week, or uh, was that two weeks ago? Um, and I think I think feedback is, is uh, super important. Um, feedback, I'll say this now because I anticipate having to have a lot more feedback meetings in, in the future at events. Feedback is a great thing. Feedback is me telling you when I give you feedback or when, when a member of the team gives you feedback, we're invested in you. We're invested in your future behavior because we want we, we want to change something about your current behavior, and address future behavior. Because guess what? If I'm not invested in you, I don't need to give you feedback. I don't need to have that awkward conversation. I don't need to deal with all that. I could just say, hey, we're not going to work with you. So feedback for everybody listening, it's super valuable. And I always tell people um, with the critical feedback and positive feedback, every piece of feedback is your team lead or your peer or the TO or whoever it is, your manager at work saying, I'm investing in you because I want you to get better. And I think that's the way to always contextualize feedback. Um, but yeah, don't be afraid of mistakes. Don't be afraid. Everybody makes mistakes. No one's expecting perfection. Own it. Be honest about it. And let's go fix the mistake. Let's be proactive. Let's get the team together and, 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 and set the ship right. I think that's super important because one of my great fears as we embark on this for 2018 is this idea that you've got to be a perfect judge. Boy, we can't let... We can't let, uh, you know, Sasso or Mashi or Lems or whomever see this mistake because, by God, they won't, they won't stop me. That will not happen. We all understand how this works. And, and if, 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 the, if you guys and the audience and, and, and um, everybody listening to this doesn't take anything else away, please, if that's not the case. The bright line areas, yeah, I'm sorry, you're out of luck. Don't cross those lines. Don't cross them in GPs. Don't cross them in your personal life. Don't cross them anywhere because those are really good lines to just live within. But everything in between, if you stumble, that's okay. It's, like it's team event. I always tell people when I'm talking to judges, when I'm talking to staff, Grand Prix are a team event on our side. When we're running them, it's always a team event. So um, th that's, I think it's more important to contextualize what, won't get you quote-unquote blacklisted than one will because, frankly, it's common sense. I'll get it sounds like it should be common sense. I, one of the things I wanted to reiterate with that is that you guys do take that those things very seriously. Um, and I, I know personally that you do, but I wanted to give the opportunity to say that and also to say it's okay to make mistakes, which you just did. You, you're not going to be blacklisted for something trivial or silly like a like an argument or a fight or anything like that it, it, it's the big as you call them bright line events it's the, those big things are the are the problem areas and, and we should know to stay away from those definitely you you talked about feedback which is something else i wanted to talk to you about in regard to grand prix sure historically uh prior to an event feedback has been given on judges who are going to staff the event by the regional coordinator uh, of that judge's region um is this still the case and and how seriously is that feedback from RCs taken? So um, I think it's I think it's still the case in the sense that RCs um, and I don't know if it's just restricted to RCs, but you know RCs and, and whoever else can make comments on on judge apps for judges, and those comments uh, are are I, I believe all looked at. Whether they are um, they're not necessarily deciding. They're not the only factor that's taken into consideration when determining who to staff for an event or or, or who not to staff for an event. Um, but that information is there, uh, and I think it's it's accessible to anyone on the admin side, and it is certainly reviewed. Uh, 
So, so that's not something that you uh, have an expectation of RCs to do, but it's good that they do, is what I'm getting out of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, okay. uh, one of the murkiest conversations I've had with, with many in RC is what exactly is the role uh, of an RC? And I'm not sure what the responsibilities are. I don't feel, uh, as a tournament organizer, that they have any responsibility directly to, to me. I think they have responsibility to Wizards of the Coast, who's, who's paying them some amount to do something. Uh, and part of that responsibility, I think, is much is is from what I can glean, grassroots, local, uh, at the local level. But uh, I certainly I certainly would never ever make any demands on an RC in any forum, um, you know, with the idea that hey, this is your job or you should be doing this. That would that would simply never happen. Now, RCs, you were talking about at the grassroots level, the local level, um, and they do a lot of work at the at the local level. A lot of times they don't have the opportunity to interact person to person with their with the members of their region, especially in some foreign regions that are very large compared to U.S. regions. Um, for example, Australia is part of a region and it's massive. Um, yes. And uh, uh, the only opportunity that the DRC has to interact with those people is at Grand Prix when they when they wear the blue shirt on Sundays. Um, is that something? that you guys see as, as part of your role in supporting the community is, is helping that RC be there for that role or, or what, uh, is that something that's going to continue so, at Grand Prix? So the offer, the offer that we make to RCs, because for, for certain reasons, we're unable to comp them for that day. So if you if you're going to don the blue shirt on Sunday, we are unable to, um, to pay for that day. What we have offered uh, historically for RCs is come work Friday, come work Saturday. We'll take care of your hotel on Thursday, on Friday, uh, on Saturday. Um, and then you do do whatever you want on Sunday. If you need a table, if you need internet, if you need power, we'll take care of all. Um, but for, for legal reasons, we're not able to actually directly comp for that Sunday stuff. Okay. I appreciate you being straightforward about the fact that it's a legal reasons thing and, and not something else. Oh yeah. Trust me. I, if, if we could do it, we'd do it. Uh, Without hesitation. So I, I know we had some uh, questions on judge training, and I know you've, you've tackled some of those already just kind of on the way. But we had some other stuff we wanted to talk about. Um, Brian, did you have a question about L1s? So right now at, at GPs, uh, some number of L1s are get on staff. Uh, normally, they're working in uh, the side event areas uh, as, a, as opposed to the main event, but the number is not particularly large, but it's not zero either. Is that something that you see continuing? Like, will there be opportunities for L1s to be on staff at Grand Prix? Yeah, I, I, I don't, uh, I, I, th those opportunities will still definitely be present. Uh, you're calling up Mexico. Yeah. I, th I think as you're asking me this question, uh, John's actually looking at the, uh, the Mexico list. Uh, yeah. Well, we, we took some of the judge levels off. Uh, those opportunities will, will certainly be present. Um, and I, I think that you know that that that's always a gray area because they're not they're not main main event capable. So what what's the side event load like? And so one of the things that also has to be taken into account is what side events look like from region to region. North America we have a very robust side events schedule and a very robust uh, side events buy-in and participation. Other areas of the world, particularly the uh, some of the APAC regions, there's just a lot less side events. Um, and I think that there's. There is there is a certain scale with who who comes in at the L1 level depending on the size of side events. Now there's always things like prize wall and um, and registration and info booth, but I don't know that young hungry L1s are aspiring to take on those roles yet. Maybe, but uh, so that that's the only caveat I'll have is, is I think the number of L1s that, uh, positions that are available on a sliding scale with how popular side events are in a given region. Okay. Uh... Next question. So Grand Prix are opportunities for judges to to come together that that really don't exist anywhere else. Like at the PPTQ levels, you're going to have you know two judges max. There might be a large you know hundred two hundred person uh, event that only gets like a, a few people. But GPs are the the opportunity for a large number of judges to get together and and do things that might not be possible at the smaller community levels. And what I'm, what I'm talking about is maybe judge testing or level three panels or that kind of thing. Are those activities still going to be able to continue at GPs in the future? I mean, uh, definitely. Um, you know, L3 panels, I think they go through uh, Daniel Kitachewski 
um, and, and our kind of our, our deal with him is can you just let us know about four to six weeks ahead of time uh, that you need an L3 panel and who is on staff that's L3 panel eligible. And basically what we do is we arrange for the, the members of the L3, the, the panelists, to basically work a half day. They still get comped for a full day, and, and the second half of their day is, is involved with the L3 panel. Awesome. And even maybe opportunities like uh, a level two testing, like a, an L1 who is on staff for the event, but they live, you know, 300, 400 miles uh, away from the, the nearest L3. Would would they also be able to, to do L, L2 testing? So we don't we don't directly facilitate that. I, I, uh, I mean, not not for I, not on purpose necessarily. I think we've kind of historically left that to the RC. To, to organize, um, and so there's nothing, certainly nothing preventing that from happening. I think it's it's more a matter of, of what the RC in that region wants to put together. I think the the key for both of these things is just us knowing far enough in advance so we can schedule the people that need to be involved in something like that to have uh, available free time to to test or be tested. Yeah. Uh, I think that's that's the key to all of this. So it's like if we hear on Wednesday of the GP that, you know, a couple people would like to be tested for L2, you know, it we will probably do our best to accommodate it, to be honest, but it would be much easier if we knew that four weeks to six weeks before the event. Okay. So, we can, you know, we can make that happen. So obviously we're invested in, in uh, you know, the, the judge community growing and people leveling up and I think it's a great thing. And, Obviously, Grand Prix are a great gathering of, of staff and players together, so uh, <clears throat> it's a good time for that to happen. It's just a matter of scheduling and, and uh, you know knowing about it far enough in advance so we could. It's not a, a last minute adjustment for somebody. That sounds uh, like you're you're very positive about wanting it to happen. Like there was some some cagey language in there about like whether or not you're compensating them for doing it, and that's I can under, I can respect that, but really it's, you you guys are all for advancement opportunities happening of events, course right? we need we need we need judges for all these events all right? <laughs> i want you to go from l1 to l2 to l3 if that's what you want or l2 and like i said be a, a team lead serve or you know whatever you want um i like i said i think that the more that we can help support the aspirational goals of people wanting to enter the judge program and find success in whatever area they want uh, in, within the judge program or within a Grand Prix staff structure, it behooves us to do that, to really foster that. Speaking of different roles people can have, one of the, the interesting changes that this brings about is that Grand Prix head judges as a whole, and to a lesser extent, level three judges, will effectively become specialized judges for Channel Fireball events because Channel Fireball runs all of the Grand Prix. So given that, what role do you guys see Channel Fireball having in determining what the requirements are for those jobs and, and who can do them, uh, specifically Grand Prix head judge. Do you even want a role in that? Uh, no, uh, I think yeah. <laughs> the short answer is no. Uh, that's Kevin Dupre's, uh, Depre, sorry, Depre, sorry, Depre. Kevin Depre's um, project, and, and, and he headlines that. And we, you know, a lot of these internal judge community manners, we don't want to step in. Um, I don't think that that's, it's appropriate for us to do that. I don't, that's not the role that we want to assume. Um, and Kevin, I think, had, from what I can see, has done an excellent job with with his certification process. Um, we had uh, Guillaume, head judge, Grand Prix New Jersey, and he just recently got started through the process. I know uh, Bears is going to be um, in Burgundy as a uh, appeals judge in Vegas and in Phoenix. And if all goes well, he'll have an opportunity to head judge in New Jersey, too. Um, so and we have Alejandro, who was recently I think just started this last round. I think so. Uh, who's going to be an appeals judge in Mexico this weekend? Um, we're, we're really everyone who's gone through the certification process that, that Kevin's put forward um, is going to get an opportunity to wear Burgundy at a Channel Fireball event. Um, and I, I can't stress that enough. This again, I, I know I'm repeating myself, but aspirational goals are very important to me and to the culture of this company. And, and frankly, if we start closing the door on certain people, we're going to kill that. Why, well, why, why should I get started for this? Why should I work at this? Why should I do this? Channel Fireball is not going to staff me. That is completely antithetical to what we want to achieve with the community. So, um, you know, we met with Kevin in New Jersey, actually, to talk a lot about this, about, you know, what his goals were uh, for the head judge certification and how we could support that and what we could do. 
Uh, and basically, everyone, uh, anyone who certs, and I assume if you cert, you want an opportunity to don the burgundy at an event, will have an opportunity to don burgundy at an event. Not, and that's that is. I think he messaged that to the head judge group, and that is one of our explicit goals moving forward. Yeah, we we don't uh, <laughs> we do not want to determine who is qualified to head judge an event because the judge community, I think, knows far. Far more, far more than we do about that. Uh, same with L3s and you know who's qualified to team lead and uh, you know or be in certain positions. I mean, I think it's it's good that there's a kind of third party, you know, Kevin and, and his team to to make those decisions. Uh, and you know, we want to respect the you know pro- professionalism and and just the expertise of the judge community in, in appointing people that can do those jobs effectively. So uh, yeah, we we are not looking to we're looking to support it. We're not looking to really change it or, or take it over, take it over yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, so if you get that certification, it's legit. You can do it. It's, yeah. not, it's not like, okay, well, you got that certification. Now you got to get the CFB certification. No. CFB approval. <laughs> That's just not how we operate, nor is it how we want to. Operate. No. And, and I think you've, you've kind of already answered this question with the last answer, but just to be explicit, do you guys have any, inkling that you might ever go off that list and get somebody who's not certified to head to the Grand Prix? I, you know, I, I don't really think so. Uh, it's not, do, do we have a plan for that? No, we do not. Just straight up, no. Um, can emergencies happen? Can things happen? Yeah. You know, and so I, I don't say, I don't say never in the sense that, hey, if, if we have contracted two or three Burgundies uh, and they can't make it, and I got Jason LeMayhew on the side event stage. Sure, I may do something crazy. Uh, he'd kill me if I did. He would literally kill me if I if, if that happened. But, <laughs> I mean, those are the kind of circumstances we're talking about. Okay? Okay. We're talking about some crazy, crazy stuff having to happen in emergency type situation for, for these scenarios to play. Um, so one of the things that basically I just wanted to ask you about it. We, we've hit on a lot of different things throughout this conversation, but overall. How do you think Grand Prix are going to improve, both for players and for judges, in 2018 compared to 2017 or 2016? I think, um, you know, from, from my own standpoint, the survey kind of represents that. Everybody listening to this podcast right now, everybody who goes onto that uh, onto that article on CFB and, and fills out that survey, I, I implore all of you to take advantage of this opportunity, this golden opportunity to start giving us feedback about what you want to see, okay? These events, one of our major success factors for 2018 for Grand Prix is player experience and staff experience. These are these are literally the thing, the factors that we're taking into account to determine whether we are successful in this venture in 2018. Now you have an opportunity to shape our thinking, to give us ideas, to give us that feedback so we can create a consistently excellent experience for players and for judges, for staff, for everybody, so that you guys love coming to work these events, so that players love coming to play at these events and experience the event. So I think that taking events out to be now in, 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 in really getting on the ground floor and, and giving us that feedback creates a 2018 where there are advantages to having one TO. So that if you love something about how another TO did things in 2017 or in 2016 or in 2015, and you recognize Channel Fireball doesn't do it that way, but that is something that was so important to you. That was a great way that they ran their judge meetings, or that was a great way that they motivated their their staff, or a great way that they created a player experience. Let us know so that we can look at it, analyze it, try it, and then bring it to the world. Because the consistency, uh, and, and, and when we say consistency, we don't want consistent mediocrity. Consistent excellence is what we're what we're aiming for can be a real thing. And I know we, we've, we've talked about kind of the negative externalities, the perceived negative externalities of, oh my gosh, higher prices to enter the event or lower lower compensation for people working the event. Positive externalities are, if we you know, we will achieve this goal of consistency and, and we will raise the level of event. That is, that is something that we are going to accomplish. So be part of that and embrace the idea that, you know, you have the feedback to create not only an excellent experience for yourself, as a judge, for yourself, as a player, but to create that experience for other members of the community around the world. And please give us the opportunity and trust us to take what we've learned from everybody here and all the feedback we get and bring it to other areas of the world where, frankly, the GP experience is very different. And I think that that's something that John and I have taken on personally and professionally uh, in 2018 and beyond for these events. 
I, I really appreciate you guys coming on and talking to us and alleviating some of the or addressing rather some of the fears that have been expressed to us uh, through judges and and uh, concerns that the players have have had to uh, have expressed to us. So as we wrap up, what I'd like to do is give you guys an opportunity if you know if there's anything that you want to plug maybe like a website or something that you guys might be you know or an event or something i don't know sure, do, you guys, uh, do you guys do that we do we do both those things yeah. <laughs> oh convenient yeah. <laughs> uh channelfireball.com you can uh, find all everything you need content wise and uh <laughs> card wise but uh yeah i mean gpvegas.com if you're going as a player if you're looking to uh, judge the event I think the app just closed last week though right yeah but, but email, missed... email judge at channelfireball.com if you missed the cutoff Richard will love that yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah if, if someone wants to be a part of that event uh, please don't hesitate to email judge at channelfireball.com uh, we're super excited for that event uh, if anyone is a part of 2015's Grand Prix Vegas it was uh Something like no other Grand Prix I think most of us have been involved in. So uh, it was a great experience, and we're hoping that uh, this year will be no different. I've looked, at, I've looked at the apps, and we have a great team that's already applied for the event. So yeah, I am yeah. very confident that it's going to be a very good event. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, looking, it's definitely looking good. So, But, yeah, thanks a lot for having us on. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, you know, for Mashi and myself to, to be able to you know, chat with you guys and really speak to the judge community because we're really looking forward to this opportunity and we're looking forward to giving, uh, you know, everyone that wants to be a part of Grand Prix the opportunity to, uh, to really build these with us and, and, you know, improve the overall experience of the players and the staff worldwide. Uh, so thanks a lot for, for having us on. Yeah. I just, um, a, a few things, a few things in closing one, um, thank you so, so much for this opportunity uh, to interact with you guys. Um, and, you know, it's not a one-time deal. If you guys get a lot of feedback and you think it's worthwhile to have one or the both of us back on a podcast, reach out. Love to love to engage in the questions uh, and, and having that direct input from you guys and having this excellent opportunity to address things directly to the judge community. Is, it's really invaluable to us. Um, and and the other thing I'd stress for, for us, and I, I mean, Jess, come on. Jess knows us. Obviously, used to be part of the team here at, at CFB. But I, I hope that maybe listening to this, podcast and hearing us and, and for those of you who've worked with us at events I, I, I really truly uh, from the bottom of my heart I hope you feel that we're approachable uh, I hope you as a community you feel like you can come to us with questions you need not be afraid now I, I know John's a big hairy beast he's a 6'5 monster but trust me oh. he's a teddy bear he's a teddy bear and um, you know we're, is that also we're, one of his titles? <laughs> yeah, he's the CEO of Teddy Bear, John Sasson. Um, this, this is not a job for me. Uh, I, I, I've had many other jobs. Uh, I, I, I'm also a barred attorney I, in the state of California, and I practiced for many years. Um, John's been in this industry his whole life. This industry, this community has given both of us so much. I cannot overstate how having the job I have now, getting to work these events, being part of this community is such a privilege. I mean, I, I mean, I fly around the world. I get to work with all of you guys. And the crazy part is this guy pays me to do it. And it is an amazing experience for me. Um, and, and being able to kind of share the joy I have for working these events and being part of the community is, is one of the things I try to make a goal at every event I work. Um, and, I know at times it feels like the judge community, maybe the TO, are at odds or on opposite sides of the table. And, and I, I really want to beseech everybody, you guys and everybody listening to this, it's a collaborative effort. It's a team sport. We're all in it together. Come talk to us. You can email us. You know, My email is just mashi at channelfireball.com. Feel free to reach out, judge at channelfireball.com. Um, any of those emails with any thoughts, concerns, uh, ideas you have, you, you need not wonder in silence. Or reach out to these guys, and they can invite us back onto the podcast. I'd appreciate that, too. But um, really can't stress enough uh, how great this opportunity is, is for us, you know, personally and professionally, and, and how, um, you know, it need not be a lone opportunity. The dialogue is, is always out there, and we're always uh, open to future conversations individually or together. Awesome. Thank you for saying so.
uh, we may dead we almost certainly will will have a topic where we will want to have you guys on again. So, uh, yeah, again, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, this this was great. This was super informative. Uh, I learned a lot. You know, just sitting here listening. Ah, oh, these guys have really put a lot of of thought into this, and I I feel a lot more confident uh, than I did before the podcast. So, and I and I hope the listeners do too. So, uh, in closing, fellow listeners, uh, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us five stars on iTunes. So, if you don't listen, use it on iTunes. Still go rate us five stars there. Uh, <laughs> you can contact us at judgecast at gmail.com. Uh, you can like us on Facebook at facebook slash judgecast.com. Tweet at us at twitter.com slash judgecast. And check out our podcast archive at judgecast.com. I'm Brian Perlman. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. To be clear, that's Facebook.com slash JudgeCast. What I see. Not whatever it was Brian just said. I do <laughs> Facebook. I look, man, this whole technology thing has got me all all kerfluffled. Uh, so, <laughs> so so Twitter or Facebook at JudgeCast at AOL dot <laughs> CompuServe.net. Um, 